0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more.
2: Good morning. It's 830 on Monday, March 21st. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we visit a gas station in rural Alabama as fuel prices reach a record high. Then a state bill to extend postpartum Medicaid is set to come back from the dead. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The major storm system is working its way eastward across the southwest this morning. Soon enough, it's expected to arrive in Mississippi, possibly bringing dangerous weather with it. Joanne Keelan is a forecaster at the National Weather Service in Jackson. She speaks with producer of Mississippi Edition, MPB's Rob Lane.
3: The storm system is still out west. Um, it'll be affecting um, the Texas area uh, today, but we are expecting as it uh, moves uh, further east um, later tonight into the day tomorrow that uh, we could see a pretty significant uh, severe weather event across uh, the state of Mississippi and much of the Southeast um, through the, through the day tomorrow into tomorrow evening.
0: And what exactly do you see that looking like?
3: Well, it looks like we could see um, severe thunderstorms across the state, um, and they will bring the potential for tornadoes. Some could be strong, damaging winds up to 70 miles an hour, and then large hail potentially up to golf ball size. Um, Much of the state is going to be under a threat for some kind of severe weather with the uh, best potential it looks like across the uh, central to southern parts of the state.
0: And you mentioned tornadoes. Do we know exactly when this storm is most likely to arrive? Because, of course, tornadoes in particular are much more likely to be deadly, we know, when they arrive at night as opposed to during the day.
3: This event actually looks to be more of a daytime event um, than a nighttime event, which... Um, And that aspect is probably a little bit better, of course, because more people will be aware and awake during the day. It looks like it should start to affect um, the western portions of the state, uh, maybe as early as 6 a.m., and then progress uh, through the day, exiting um, the south uh, southeast part of the state around um, sometime in the evening, maybe as late as 10 o'clock, probably a little earlier than that. Um, But much of the state will be affected during the day.
0: And so if people are awake and aware and have their wits about them when a tornado hits, do you want to just briefly remind people what's best practice to stay safe?
3: Sure. So today is a great day to be thinking about your tornado safety plans. Um, You don't want to think about what to do or where to go when a tornado warning is issued. You want to do that well ahead of time. So um, think about where you're going to be tomorrow um, and where a safe uh, place would be to take shelter. You want to be in the lowest uh, floor of whatever building you're in. If you have uh, access to some kind of an underground shelter, that would be great. Um, But if you don't, the lowest floor, uh, in a room that has no windows to it, you want to put as many walls between you and the outside as possible. So a hallway, a closet, a bathroom, those are the best places to go. And then you want to use something to protect your head, more than just your hands. So... um, Couch cushions, pillows, blankets, mattresses, um, a cooking pot from the kitchen, bicycle helmets, anything like that to protect your head. Um, if you live in a mobile or manufactured home, you want to make plans to um, be in a safer structure, say in a, uh, a friend's house. Or many of our counties also have safe rooms and community shelters that you can check out as well.
0: You mentioned heavy rain. To any concern for flooding? And sort of on the, on the other side of the coin, we know that some parts of the western portion of the state have been dealing with droughts. Could this alleviate some of that?
3: We are expecting um, not a prolonged um, bunch of rain, but the rain that moves through could be very heavy locally uh, at times, which could produce uh, flash flooding. So across the state, we're looking at about three to six inches of rain um, possible. And this could definitely help um, some of those drought-stricken areas. Uh, On the flip side, some areas just saw a bunch of rain um, with uh, some storms that moved through um, last week. So that will only exacerbate any flooding issues since those areas are already saturated.
2: That's Joanne Keelan with the National Weather Service in Jackson. Coming up, a state bill to extend postpartum Medicaid is set to come back from the dead. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app.
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Gas prices in the Gulf South might seem cheap compared to the rest of the country, but gas stations in Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana have set record highs. Stephen Basaha of the Gulf States Newsroom talked to three different types of drivers in Alabama's Black Belt about how they're navigating pumped up gas prices.
1: Utah, Alabama is known as the gateway to the Black Belt. But for Cliff Dunn, it's a pit stop. He's refueling as he drives his wife and two sons from Jackson, Mississippi to Knoxville, Tennessee.
0: Vacation, Dollywood, a little trout fishing, maybe some crappie
1: fishing in Alabama on the way. Dunn represents our first set of drivers. Let's call them the road trippers. A sign for Utah's Love's Travel Station hangs high above the tree line, advertising gas at $3.95 a gallon. Cheap by state standards. And it's drawing drivers in. Once a car leaves one of the pumps, another pulls up. Dunn says the high gas prices changed the trip itinerary, but it's not keeping them home. Maybe
0: it shaved off a day off vacation because I had to pay a little extra for gas, but who, who
1: cares? Russia's invasion of Ukraine has thrown energy markets into chaos and the U.S. cut off Russian oil imports. Dunn sees the extra amount he's paying at the pump as a way for him to support Ukraine.
0: I can pay an extra dime at the pump to help those people out, cut the Russians off. We're pumping
1: Gas prices can swing pretty wildly when driving between states, even in the Gulf South. Miriam Lefwich noticed the difference when she drove from her home in Utah, Alabama to an event at Jackson State University.
2: Yeah, I was pretty excited to see that $3.99 price because in Tuscaloosa, I had just noticed the prices was like $4.07, $409, $4.17.
1: Tuscaloosa is Lefwich's usual destination. She's our second kind of black belt driver, the commuter. For 25 years, she's made the 35-mile drive for work. Others who live deeper in the Black Belt have a much farther drive to the Mercedes-Benz plant 20 miles east of Tuscaloosa. There aren't many jobs in this rural part of the state, so working means making the increasingly expensive commute.
2: Where I would, you know, normally eat out a couple of times or, or just stop for a Starbucks. I have to, like, just put that on the back burner because I need to keep that money aside for my gas.
1: Living in Tuscaloosa would make the ride cheaper and easier, but Leftwich prefers the quiet of the black belt. So does Rosemary Edwards. She lives in Bology, the kind of small town where an ambulance siren is rare enough to set off a phone chain.
3: Did it come past your house? Do you know who that is? What's going on? You know, down everybody's neighborly, they're concerned and nosy too.
1: It's also a town where the average home earns less than $8,000 in a year. Edwards is our third kind of driver, which is a bit of a cheat because she doesn't actually drive.
3: It affects the non-driver just as much.
1: Being a non-driver is not an anomaly in Greene County, which includes both Bologi and Utah. Homeowners there are more than three times as likely not to have a car than the rest of the country. Edwards can't drive due to seizures, so she relies on her friendly neighbors to take her the 98 miles to Birmingham for her medical appointments.
3: I got one girl that goes to search with me. And she's pretty nice, and she'll take me. But I got to find out how much it's going to cost me now to go up there.
1: Gas going up also means Edwards pays more for those rides. Getting to a drugstore 23 miles south cost her about 45 bucks, up from $25 a few months ago.
3: I don't feel good about it at all. I needed some more money.
1: One bit of good news for all drivers. Gas prices have been dropping from those record highs, but are likely to stay far above the COVID-era lows. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Stephen Basaha.
2: The Gulf States Newsroom is a collaboration among public media stations in Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Still to come, a state bill to extend postpartum Medicaid is set to return to the docket. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Leaders in Mississippi's legislature remain at loggerheads over a plan to extend postpartum Medicaid benefits. This year, Senate Bill 2033 would have allowed new mothers to receive Medicaid up to 12 months after giving birth. House Speaker Philip Gunn allowed the bill to die on the calendar. Gunn says he's opposed to any increases to the Medicaid system in the state. He also claims he's seen no evidence that postpartum Medicaid extensions improve outcomes for mothers or babies. A bipartisan majority of senators support the plan. So does Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. And Hoseman says he's ready to use one of multiple workarounds to bring the bill back to life before the end of the legislative session.
1: We have the ability to suspend the rules uh, here and, and go back and address any issue. I would prefer not to do that. I think if there is a code section available, we do it in the normal course. If we have to go back and suspend the rules, I think I have virtually a hundred percent vote out here to do that.
2: Usha Ranji is assistant director for the Women's Health Policy at the Kaiser Family Foundation. She tells us extending postpartum Medicaid should be a priority for Mississippi.
4: First of all, I think it's really important for people to understand the role of the Medicaid program just in terms of pregnancy coverage and Medicaid coverage and maternal health broadly. So at a big picture level, at the national level, Medicaid covers almost half of births in this country. That is, um, it is the health insurance coverage that pays for almost half of births in in the U.S. There in Mississippi, though, it actually covers almost two-thirds of births. So 64% Births in Medicaid or uh, births in Mississippi are financed by the Medicaid program.
2: Now, when you say birth, what are you referring to specifically?
4: Yes, yes. Yeah. So, if you if you took all the, all the births in any one year in Mississippi, we're talking about two thirds of those. Could you could sort of think of it as two thirds of people who are pregnant in the state are getting their health coverage during pregnancy under the Medicaid program, and. The federal federal definition of the Medicaid program is Medicaid covers um, care during the pregnancy and through two months postpartum. After that two months, Medicaid coverage for the pregnancy can end. And so that means that some people will actually, just two months after having a baby, might no longer qualify for for Medicaid coverage. So, at the national level and in many states, there's been a movement to really extend the postpartum period. And that is, you know, to your question, really recognizing that postpartum care and postpartum health goes long past two months. You know, we have um, all of the major medical groups um, have, you know, been really clear that postpartum care um, typically goes past 60 days. In fact, the American College of obstetrician and gynecologist, really a few years ago updated their guidelines saying that, you know, postpartum care is an ongoing process. It's not just about one visit, you know, maybe a month or two after after having a baby. It's a process of ongoing care that, you know, might require multiple visits. It's also a really good opportunity to address health care issues that may have come up during pregnancy or that may have been identified during pregnancy. And, you know, chronic conditions like heart disease or mental health needs, which for the most part don't resolve within two months.
2: So you have these low-income moms, new moms. Chances are, are they going to be able to go back to work right away? What is usually the cycle that this takes?
4: yeah yeah I mean I think that's another that's another really important aspect of you know having a baby is the ability to return to work, the ability to return to work healthy. you know we know also that um a lot of employers, most employers don't offer paid parental leave. so what we have is we have a situation where a lot of people um return to work um very soon after having a baby um you know, we we know. I think it's a quarter a quarter of moms at least return to work within less than a month after having a baby. And so, um, you know, and that's another really huge challenge that needs to be addressed. But I think it even adds to the um, case of just really being able to provide access to healthcare and ensuring that people have at least health coverage and a an entry point to get into health healthcare system. And I think we should, you know, we should say you know, last year, Congress actually passed a federal law, the American Rescue Plan Act, a huge law that covered many sectors of society. But one part of that law was giving states the option, an easier option to extend the postpartum period from two months to 12 months. And so that's um, part of the reason that states like Mississippi, as well as other, many other states, have been looking at this.
2: Well, it may be too soon then to see the difference in results from expanding it for a year in that period of time as opposed to 60 days. It's probably too soon. Well, we have some
4: evidence because, like I said, you know, what's been an option for several years now, you know, several years now is just the full expansion of the Medicaid program. Again, I know Mississippi is a state where. That has not expanded Medicaid, but most states have. And in expansion states, we know that um, new moms are much more likely to be able to stay on the Medicaid program compared to non-expansion states. And what we've also seen is that um, moms who are able able to stay on the Medicaid program are more likely to get to postpartum visits and have follow-up visits in that first year compared to in Non-expansion states. So that's a um, you know it's, that's some evidence of the potential impact of extending coverage.
2: What is your response to legislators um, here? For instance, there are some who say we don't want to expand Medicaid, and this gives the appearance of expanding it, even though it's an extension that lasts for a set period of time. And the cost—that's another issue. The cost.
3: Right,
4: right. Well, you know, to, speaking to the cost, so Medicaid is a program that is jointly, um, the cost is shared between the federal government and states. So yes, I think, you know, what we see about the cost is there would be, um, you know, there would likely be an increase in people staying on the Medicaid program, which would raise costs in some level in terms of providing that coverage. But they would, states would also probably offset some of that would be offsetting costs from um, worse health outcomes um, down the road and more and more uncompensated care um, for people who become uninsured. I think the other thing that is important to realize is just the important role, like I said, that Medicaid plays in financing maternity care for low income people. A state like Mississippi at that two months mark right now, if, A new mom and her partner, you know, they're now a family of three. If they have annual income over $5,500, so if they earn more than $5,500 for the year, she could lose her Medicaid coverage. And given that level of income, it is very unlikely that she would be able to get any type, be able to afford um, private insurance on her own. So I think it's also really important to think about the people who are covered under this program they many would likely not be able to afford health care on their own without Medicaid
3: coverage.
2: Mississippi has one of the highest maternal mortality rates in the nation. And I saw um, in material from Kaiser that one third of deaths occur after that postpartum period. What does that mean?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So
4: Maternal mortality, referring to deaths of people, moms, either new moms or women during pregnancy, um, many of them, like you said, ones that occur during that postpartum period, so sometime in that first year after after giving birth. And you know, we know that some of the leading causes of maternal mortality are cardiovascular heart health, as well as ongoing chronic conditions. So there's really a movement in the maternity world to also shore up that postpartum care, make sure that people are connected to care. Like I said, recognizing that for a lot of people, it's more than one visit. Um, and so, you know, health coverage helps, you know, provides access to at least being able to get into a doctor. If you feel like something's not right, if you, something shows up, um, you know, a few weeks after birth, Um, So, you know, that really helps people get into the doctor as early as possible so that they can address, you know, what might be a potentially um, life-threatening condition.
2: Lastly, as you know, Mississippi has not expanded Medicaid through the ACA. Right. Are there any states that have not expanded Medicaid but who have extended the period of coverage for new mothers?
4: There are, yes, yes. Texas is extending their postpartum period to six months. South Carolina is also looking to extend to a full year. The state of Florida is also looking to extend a full year. And um, the neighboring state of Alabama is also, um, recently they just came out with a budget proposal. Um, It has not been approved yet, but they are also considering extending the postpartum period to one year. And Georgia as well. Is also um, has extended their Medicaid postpartum period to six months. So those are some of the few just sort of neighboring states there that have, like you said, not expanded Medicaid under the ACA, but are um, doing postpartum extensions.
2: Usha Ranji is a Associate Director for Women's Health Policy at the Kaiser Family Foundation. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. See you tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. Have a good day.